Greetings, everyone. This is the Sound Health Radio Show with Richard Talk to Me Guy and Sherry Edwards, as we know, is at work on the soundhealthportal.com. I say it every week. I'm going to keep saying it every week. Every, every other week or so, I watch a demo, a live demo with Sherry online doing a webinar showing a new feature on the portal, and it's just, it's never ending in a very good way. And if you'd like to know more about the Sound Health Portal, you can go to soundhealthportal.com. You can scroll down to the current campaigns, and I believe currently they have neuroplasticity, corona conflict, PTSD, and I think golf is back. (laughs) Yes, you can affect your golf swing by doing vocal profiling. It's amazing, but it, it totally makes sense. I would have things to say about working with athletes and how they're, a, a small shift can really make an amazing difference in performance, and that's true of golf, and using the vocal profiling to figure that out. To experience one of the campaigns, so you scroll down, pick a campaign that you're interested in, and then sign up for a free account or a free membership They don't spam you or anything. It's just so you can get your report. Pick the campaign. Then the system will walk you through doing two 30 to 40 second recordings. And you'll submit that campaign. And you'll get it back within, typically I say, two to 24 hours. I've never waited more than 10, but I like to give it a bigger window. And I recommend sitting down with some tea and reviewing it because it has a lot of information in it. And the idea is that it will take your vocal recording and this is related to the vagus vagal nerve, and show you if something is too high or too much. Perhaps you're in methylation and you have an issue of assimilating, or too low, again, the opposite end, where you're not assimilating, so it's too low. And you also may be elevated because you have too much. With the vocal profiling, you'll be able to go in and get that information and either A, make an appointment with a bioacoustic practitioner through the Sound Health Portal. There is a map that shows practitioners all over the United States, I think worldwide now. And you can do that and or take it to your practitioner, such as a savvy practitioner as Dr. Plasker or other doctors that he works with, and sit down and talk to them about what's this and what do we think and what can we do and how can we affect this? It's amazing. And if you want to see a demo of Sherry doing a workup, you can go to soundhealthoptions.com, click on classes, and then click on portal presentations. And there will be some of the recent presentations Sherry has done online doing a webinar where she's doing a live workup. As I've said before, having been somebody who carried around a laptop computer with all this information on it, all these applications to do what we can do now online on anybody's computer with a microphone, I really do recommend carrying around the Samsung Go mic. It's a very small, pocketable microphone that works really well for doing vocal profiling. Also, it's really great because everybody and their grandmother is Zooming. It's really nice to have a microphone that makes you sound a little better than shouting at your computer. So you can go to the soundhealthoptions.com and see Sherry's demos. She'll do a full workup with somebody online, and you'll get to see some of the charts and some of the amazing features that the Sound Health Portal contains. And there are visual displays now, which really help explain or reveal information more readily than looking at rows and columns of numbers and trying to figure it out. It's just very evident, like, oh, that really needs to be attention now. It's an amazing tool. And to hear a replay of this show, about 15 minutes after you hear the outro music, 
you can go to soundhealthoptions.com, click on the radio tab, and click on Sound Health Radio. The flyer for the show today will be at the top, and the link there will either take, you can either go back to Blog Talk Radio and see the show notes and listen to the replay there, or at the top now we have a link for Stitcher or for Pocket Casts, and you can click on either of those. I tend to like Pocket Casts because it has a lot of really great features. Click on the link and that'll take you to the show and some of the over 700 hours of shows that are available. And within both of those applications, you can share easily. And this is the kind of information with the lifestyle and the longevity that Dr. Plasker talks to. But really, it's stuff everybody should know. That's really the bottom line. I feel that about most of the shows we do. Well, no, actually all the shows we do. This in particular about longevity and living well in 100 years. Yeah, it's happening. People are doing it more. So you can find those both at either Stitcher or Pocket Cast. You can also, if you're an iOS user, you can find it in Podcasts on your phone or on uh, Android. It's the Google Podcast. And just search for either Sherry Edwards or Talk to Me Guy, and you'll be able to subscribe there. And subscribing just means you're going to get the notification that a new show is there. It doesn't mean it's going to download all that to your phone. So don't worry about that. So that's a great way to find more information about the shows and share them with others. And with that, Dr. Eric Plasker is the internationally best-selling author of The 100-Year Lifestyle and has been a practicing chiropractor since 1986 with a primary focus on human potential and family wellness. He's been a leader in the longevity movement for decades. In 1994, a 100-year-old patient, Max, changed Dr. Plasker's life forever and ignited his innate passion for human potential to a new level. He believes that everyone deserves to be healthy and express their full potential from the time they are born to their last breath of life. 100% for 100 years is a vision that everyone can live and raise their family by regardless of age. Creator of the 100-Year Lifestyle Provider Network, Dr. Plasker has trained over 10,000 doctors and travels the world speaking to companies, organizations, and communities on human potential, leadership, personal and cultural change, and the principles of the 100-year lifestyle, his international best-selling books and brand. He loves educating individuals, athletes, and families about the body's innate intelligence, natural healing, and optimizing function through every phase of life. He and his wife, Lisa, have been married 32 years and raised their family by this way. All three of their children are now doctors of chiropractic. Dr. Eric still practices part-time in Marietta, Georgia, with his son, Dr. Corey, and is more purposeful than ever. Dr. Plasker joins us to talk about the 100-year lifestyle. Welcome, Dr. Eric. Well, thank you, Richard. It's a pleasure to be with you and everybody on the line. We're going to try and contain this to an hour. I already know. That we, thank you. Exactly, that's exactly how I feel. I'm already thinking, oh, man. All right, we're going to have to try and control this because we have so many avenues to go down. I want to ask this opening question. Now, mind everybody, I am from California, so this is sort of my orientation. I think we were sort of the capital of, of hippies. Were you, were you raised by hippies? meaning that you and your wife have raised three drug and vaccine-free children with minimal pediatrician interaction. How did you, what was your family life that this was how you and your wife chose to raise your children? 
You know, it's a great question. My parents were definitely not hippies, um, but, uh, you know, they were middle class. I grew up middle class America, New York, uh, right outside of New York City. And uh, I guess the way that this path came to me, I didn't necessarily choose it. I got injured playing football in high school and uh, they carried me off the field. I was 15 years old and took me to the hospital and the pediatrician, not the pediatrician, but the orthopedist in the emergency room, they took x-rays and they said, uh, hey, you can't play for 30 days, take these drugs. Mm. And I was, I wanted to play. I mean, I was, I had a big red apple at the time. So I don't know if you would consider that hippie, but it was a big red <laughs> apple. And, uh, and I, what I heard the doctor say, which is not the words that he used, but it's what I, what I heard him say. I heard him say that drugs equal don't play. And I mm. wanted to play. Mm. So I said to my mother, I said, mom, listen, I want to do whatever it takes. I want to play. So the next day we went to a chiropractor, Dr. Ernie Landy in Spring Valley, New York, and he adjusted me and I played that afternoon without any pain. And so it set me on the course for my life from the perspective of, I was like, wow, I want to do this for other people. And I want to do this for other athletes. And then in 1982, when I went to Life University, Life Chiropractic College at the time, um, it was it was really a heated political environment related to vaccine laws and uh, families and Barbara Lowe Fisher had started the national vaccine information center because of the laws that were on the book. So they wanted to pass these laws on eliminating exemptions. And there were kids that were all of a sudden becoming autistic. And so I never went to school for, for all of what I just described. I went to school because I wanted to help a lot of other athletes, but it just so happened that the time was very charged related to those issues. So I ended up learning a lot about those issues and became passionate about it. And when it came to the time where my wife and I had children, we discussed it, we did the research and said, you know what? We trust the body's innate healing ability. We uh, trust it more than the, the vaccines and the mercury that's in the vaccines and all the other things in the vaccines. And so we just went this route and it just worked out really well. And now turns out with this politically charged time around all those issues. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of the damage that's been done along the way over the last 35 years mm. uh, because of those mandates, um, we made great decisions. And we've empowered lots of other families to do the same. So it's exciting. That's very exciting. Uh, I've, I've, you did a really great show, and I'll put this in the show notes. Uh, you did a really great show with Barbara Lowe Fisher, episode number 39, on your podcast, The 100-Year Lifestyle. And it was, you were talking around the documentary, the 1986, theact.com. Also put that in chat and show notes. Talking about the, I'm pausing because I have to come up with nice words. Um, speaking to the threat, speaking to the threat by pharma vaccine industry to withhold vaccines unless they were given a liability free path, which still blows my mind how 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 is that possible and i and i didn't mean to side us into talking about barbara Lowe fisher but can you paint that picture out a little about how they pulled this scam off i'm calling it a scam that's my opinion well they you have to watch the movie 1986 yeah. act it's there's a lot there um and they look at the political aspects they look at the uh research or lack thereof and they basically bullied the government into saying, hey, listen, you know, we 
Uh, everybody needs to be vaccinated. And there was no research, by the way. There's never been really a study ever where kids get vaccinated and then they check their immunity to be sure they're immune. Like that study hasn't happened. So, uh, and there's never been a double-blind placebo-based study on the effectiveness of vaccines. So a lot of what we have heard is literally trillions of dollars worth of brainwashing and not actual science. And so I implore everybody to watch that because if 1986 was the act where they passed that law, I do believe what's happening in 2020 is has the potential to be the coup where they eliminate any type of exemption completely. So um, I just think it's an important thing. And Barbara, she's done a great job. And there's a lot of other good groups. I know we know uh, Moms Across America. We have that familiar relationship with Zen and that great uh -huh. group of moms. And, you know, what we've seen is that more parents want to know, how do I raise healthier kids without shots, without drugs, and without pedi pediatricians, because they're tired of going to the pediatricians and getting bullied into shots, that there's no evidence that they work, and there's a lot of harm. And so uh, it's, it's just that I think what's happening in the world is exciting for everything that we have stood for for 35 years in practice and everything, quite honestly, that my industry has spoken out for and against for 125 years. And we have just become, as an industry, chiropractors were named essential healthcare providers by the Department of Homeland Security. So there's so many exciting things happening while at the same time, there's so much turmoil. So if you're a warrior like you and like me, you hate what's going on, but you love the battle because that's just <laughs> what it's about. We have to fight for what the right things are. That goes in the package of the 100-year lifestyle, the battle. You know, it's like a chapter yeah. out of a cereal, black and white cereal um, in the old days. That's how old I am, black and white cereals. Woohoo! Um, but uh -huh. it really is. It's, it's really quite extraordinary that, you know, these are amazing times in which we live. I didn't think they were going to look like this, but they look like this. And it's like, wow, people like you and myself have to keep talking about it. It can't just be swept under the rug. And that's why I think your interview with uh, Barbara Fisher was really great. I already put that in chat for people to track down because it's a great conversation. And I cannot recommend highly enough seeing the documentary 1986, The Act. It's really extraordinary in its information. Well, I, I I agree. And, uh, and, you know, going back to circling back to the hundred year lifestyle, what is interesting is that that should not be a battle. Uh, what we have learned about quality of life and longevity and human potential as it relates to longevity is, and we've learned it from this group of hundred year old people, which is one of the world's fastest growing groups percentage wise, even in spite of this pandemic, there have been hundred year old people that are healing from this virus and many other viruses and what we have learned is, is that because the misconception about longevity and living to 100 and the 100 day lifestyle is, is that you're living on borrowed time. And the reality <laughs> of it is, is it's, it's not borrowed time. It's actually birthright time. I think that's a very important shift in consciousness because it should not be a burden. You should not become a burden to your family as you age. There are many people around the world that are living quality of life to 100 and beyond. And so much of it has to do with lifestyle choices and not blaming genes, not blaming, uh, you know, everything else around you, but optimizing what your body is capable of doing innately. All right. I have to ask. I, I, this is not about anything. This is something you said, but you've used the phrase a number of times now. And my question to you is, do you think that anywhere in traditional Western medicine training, 
they use the term the body's innate intelligence? Actually, that's a very interesting question. Um, so one of, when you asked about my history and how I learned about all of this, there was a pediatrician way back, his name was Dr. Mendelssohn, and he wrote a book called Confessions oh, yeah. of a Medical Heretic. Uh, yeah. And then he wrote another book called Male Practice, How Doctors Manipulate Women. And then he wrote another book called How to Raise a Healthy Child in Spite of Your Doctor. And he became the common sense allopathic place that we would go as a family for should we worry or should we not worry. And he talked about the body's innate intelligence. He talked about mother nature, trusting more than mother nature, more than, you know, pills and science and research and all those different things, because, you know, we research these little things and not always look at the big picture. So he was great about eliminating fear. So as an allopath, Western medicine, he's one of the few, very rarely, very rarely do you hear allopaths talk about that today. I did I was visiting somebody in the hospital just a, a, a while back, and I remember the surgeon came out and said, I did my part. It's in God's hands. And what he was really saying there is, okay, now it's up to the body's innate intelligence, which he didn't use those words. But no, I don't think they do. They don't. They, they break the body down. I always say that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. We are not just a bunch of parts. We are a whole. And we need to look at each other holistically. And, you know, from a I, early on in my career, I mean, our philosophy and principles of science chiropractically that we learned from day one is all about the body's innate intelligence. Two cells come together, one from the mother, one from the father. They form, uh, end up growing in nine months into quadrillions of cells that are highly organized. And there's never been a laboratory anywhere in the world that's been able to do that even once. And so, uh, so that innate intelligence, it doesn't abandon us once we're born. It stays with us and it runs our bodies so we can go off and do other things like have an interview on a podcast. Meanwhile, my stomach is digesting. It's amazing. It's exactly. an actual, it's amazing. It's, it's, they seem to, Western medicine seems to have lost the idea of system. We're not just a pile of bones and a bag of water sitting on a counter next to each other. We're actually a system. We work all together. My brain is, my lips are moving while my stomach is gurgling. It's an amazing idea. Yeah, and, it, and you brought up a word in your intro that I heard, which is a, it's a very big word and a very important word. You used the word neuroplasticity. And we interviewed a woman. If you go to 100yearlifestyle.com, there is an interview that we did. It's one of our podcasts with a neuroscientist, a PhD in neuroscience. Her name is Stephanie Sullivan. She's the head of research at Life University. And it's an entire podcast on neuroplasticity. And if you want to, we actually, it's, it's so good. People wanted a transcript of it. So we turned it into an ebook and we'll give you that free ebook. If you go to 100yearlifestyle.com and just hang out for any length of time, it'll pop up and ask you if you want it. We'll also give you a copy of the 100 Year Lifestyle Second Edition in an ebook format uh, as well. But why this is so important and relevant to our conversation, Richard, is that when I was younger in practice, just getting into practice and when my first child was born, and you may not know this story, uh, but Jacob was born. I was about 27 at the time. Lisa was 29. And so... He was born perfectly healthy, and then one day at 10 months old, he was playing on the bed, happy-go-lucky, tripped over the covers, fell, landed on his head, mm. became injured, and became paralyzed. Wow. And we were told, and so, you know, we freaked out. My wife and I freaked out, and uh, we ended up 
taken him to the emergency room where they told us the pediatric neurologist, the best pediatric neurologist supposedly in the Southeast uh, at the time, uh, looked at us about 12 hours later after doing some uh, scans and said, I'm sorry, Dr. And Mrs. Plasker, but your, uh, your baby will probably never talk, uh, never walk. He had, he's had a traumatic brain injury. Your baby will never walk, never talk, and never use his arm. And I was about a year and a half, two years into practice. I guess maybe it was three years into practice at this time. And when he said that to me, it made me really mad because that is just the opposite of what we studied all along. We studied the body's ability to heal itself and regeneration and all those things. But in the allopathic world, they did not know there was no science yet on neuroplasticity. They thought that, hey, your brain was your brain and you had all these things in your brain and it couldn't heal. And that's what they thought. And so they looked at their patients that way. They looked at conditions that way. And so when we got this prognosis, it, it really made both my wife and I mad. And it turned out uh, I adjusted my son in the hospital uh, in the pediatric intensive care room with my brother by my side. And within 20 minutes, he woke up, his breathing stabilized, he began to move. And we got really excited. And what we did was I just, you know, he obviously had a severe kink in his neck that was blocking the flow from his brain to his body uh, through the nervous system. And what, what was really interesting though, Richard is, is that, and this relates to neuroplasticity, um, we kept working with him over time, uh, freeing up that nervous system, making sure that it was working properly, adjusting him with consistency, stimulating the brain, stimulating the nervous system, sensory, uh, auditory, visual, uh, movement, things like that. And six months later, he ran into his six-month checkup to the doctor that said he would never walk, talk, or use his arm. And now he's 31 years old. He just got married in New Hampshire. He loves mountain biking, things like that. And uh, and so, you know, and that's because a concept of neuroplasticity and what we've learned about the body as time goes on and how it can regenerate, and it doesn't matter what the age is. And so, you know, that was an inspiring thing. That's actually what launched me initially out into the world and speaking out on the possibilities of human potential. And so I think it's important, this concept of neuroplasticity and, and longevity, that, again, going back to people blaming things, conditions, health problems, all types of issues, blaming it on genetics, blaming them on age. And that is not a healthy conversation. That becomes a conversation that makes you a burden to yourself and a burden to your family as time goes on. But when you understand the 100-year lifestyle, you understand that this is not borrowed time, but this is birthright time. Then you start to make different choices and your life moves in a completely different, more exciting direction regardless of your age. Well, and we have – it's – this is, it could be a whole show unto itself, just talking about neuroplasticity. I just think it's a shocking idea that they think they, air quotes, everybody get to fill in the blank there, however you'd like, that they think that the brain is just this stati another static thing. They don't think of it as a system. They don't think of it as having repathing. I'm trying to, uh, Jill Pulte Taylor, I think that's correct, is the, she's some kind of surgeon who watched herself have a stroke while she was trying to call somebody on the phone and she has a Ted talk and she talked about the process of watching it happen because she was, uh, I think she's a neurologist and she watched it happen and she watched the paralysis cut, 
cap, you know, like kick in where she couldn't finish dialing the number and, or she did dial the number. And then as she was trying to talk, she, in her mind, she could have the words, but it came out as gibberish. And eventually she came completely back from that event because of exactly what you're talking about, neuroplasticity. I don't know if she went and saw a good chiropractor. That would have been really great, but she did come back from it. And it's an amazing thing to see that story of how the brain can be retrained or repathed or re-somethinged. And exactly like your son, you know, if he, if the, if you and well, not he so much, but if you and your wife had fallen into the like, Oh, my son is paralyzed. And that's where the story stopped. That could have been true, but you chose a different path and he, and you helped him with that path as well. Well, what you're saying is really important and that's why, I appreciate the opportunity to speak to your people because I do understand and people need to understand that the possibilities that exist are way beyond what any individual practitioner will tell you that the body knows more than any doctor that our innate intelligence does know more than any doctor. And if we learn to work with it and we believe that that's true, then our choices will follow our beliefs and opening up people's minds and hearts and spirits to the possibilities, especially like I'll give you an important example. We see on every corner, just about in every major city town community, there are assisted living centers popping up on every community uh, in every community. And we go in there and we visit our aging parents or grandparents and we see the suffering. We smell the smells And we look at these people, these beautiful souls that are trapped in these bodies, and we say, oh, my God, I don't want to be like that. I have these genes. I don't want to be like that. So we have a very skewed view of aging. We have a very skewed view of what longevity is like. But that is not what's happening in other countries. People don't live like that. And so people blame age, and they say, wow, it's their age, but it really is not their age. Uh, We take more drugs in this country. We have 5% of the world's population. We take 95% of the world's drugs. Uh, We have a severe condition called polypharmacy. We did a podcast Mm -hmm. on becoming a least vulnerable person. You should, everybody should go listen to that. It's very empowering. And if you send us an email at support at 100yearlifestyle.com, we'll put you on the list. We're going to make that available to the public to watch. Um, it's being processed right now. So, and just put least vulnerable person video in the, in the body of, in in the subject of your email. And we look at these seniors and we blame age and it's, it's really, it's not age's fault. I can't express that enough. And I remember I gave a talk on the hundred year lifestyle and, uh, one of them, there's two, two that come to mind. One was in Dallas, Texas. I spoke at the four seasons hotel and to a bunch of business leaders. And it was a really great talk. And, the entire audience was business leaders, except for one person all the way over to the left side of the room. There was a 15 year old girl and she listened to the whole talk and she came up to me afterwards, Richard. And she, she looked up at me, she was a little girl and she was waiting for me to stop talking to this gentleman in front of me. Cause after my talk, there was a, there was a line, I was giving hugs to everybody, et cetera. And I, I felt, felt the eyes of this little girl. And so I turned away from, I said, you know, thank you to this gentleman. I looked at this girl and I, I could see she was crying. And I said, what's the matter, honey? Are you okay? And she said, you know, Dr. Plasco, what you said, it really changed me. She said, my grandmother's 85. 
I love her so much and I can't talk to her anymore. She doesn't know me. And it's, and she, she was heartbroken and she got in that moment and she said, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to live differently because I don't want to be like that. And she, here's a, a young girl who's afraid of her life and what her life could be like because of watching her grandparents suffer. And then, and that, you know, when I came out with the book, it was like, you know, I, I, they, the, the marketers of the book, they're always like, oh, yeah, what's the target market? Well, women between the ages of 40 and 55, <laughs> you know, and they go through that whole process of, of marketing, right? But then here's this 15-year-old girl who's being, her whole life is being skewed, changed. Her brain, her vision her, of possibilities are being changed by watching her grandmother suffer. And then uh, and one more quick story, and then, you know, I want to hear what you have to say about a lot of this. And then I was in Washington State. I was in Bellevue, Washington. Dr. Bob Cummins and his wife, Anna, they have a great chiropractic office there in Bellevue, Washington. And there was a – when I, I spoke in front of their community, they set it all up. And there was a, a little boy, a 10-year-old boy. His name is Nico. Uh, in fact, you could hear this, what I'm about to tell you in his own words. He sent me a YouTube. If you go to 100yearlifestyle.com and you put in – in the search, children's longevity threatened. That's the name of the article. And you'll see Nico's video. But he came up to me and he said, Dr. Blasker, you changed my life today. Ten-year-old kid. And I said, who are you? What? What? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> and he said, uh, he said, well, my grandparents had cancer and they died from cancer. And I watched them suffer. I'm paraphrasing. And I have been, this is amazing words, what he said. He said, and I, 10-year-old, he said, I have been worried for years that I was going to die from cancer too. And that's it. Wow. I'm not worried anymore. And he took off running. And I was like, oh, my God, we are burdening our children with this false concept of longevity. Wow. That is amazing. And it, it, it leads me to, to think about way back in somewhere around 2008 let's say i i heard a lecture by bruce lipton and it was when he wrote his first book the biology of belief and he's a phd stem cell biologist and has won awards and is a brilliant thinker and he was talking about he he was it was a small group only about 150 people and he was standing at the podium with pvc pipe trying to demo how RNA and DNA and the interaction. And he was really like waving these things around and it seemed like a funny demo, but he talked about our cells are listening. Now these are my words, not how he said it, but really what he was saying was our cells have receptor sites on them that are not unlike antennas. And he was really beginning to blow out the thinking of when he said our cells were listening, it's not just to hormones. They're set up to receive hormones and, and all sorts of things. But he was really looking at the big picture of they really are receptor sites like antennas. And our thoughts can affect those antennas. So everything that you're saying, like you just you gave that child his life back in a certain way because you, that fear was gone. And that's very much what biology of belief was about. It was looking at that idea of, Everything, all of it is being exposed to our cells and our cells are going, well, I don't know, that seems bad or okay, that fits. I'll take that on. But really it's all under influence. Our bodies are giant listening machines. 
They, they receive input from what we put into our body, what we put in our brain, and our exposure to the environment. So by changing our thinking, I'm not saying you can drink arsenic and think, oh, no, I'm, I can do this. You don't do dumb stuff. But it's really going along with what you're talking about. That same idea of it's our biology of belief. It's really it's an extraordinarily again not something I think they teach a lot in Western medicine. I'm not well. I'm kind of picking on Western medicine, but that just happens. Go ahead. Whoops. Uh oh. Uh, let's see. Somehow uh, he's calling back in. We lost Doctor Plasker for a moment. He'll be back in a sec. I suspect. Um, not yet. He'll call back in momentarily. I'm not sure what happened there, but I'll, well, I'll talk about the idea of what he was talking about with the Bruce Lipton idea of really it, they're receptor sites. Our bodies are receptor are filled with cells that are receptor sites, and those cells are keyed to here he is now. Are keyed for hormones. Welcome back. Dr. Plaster, I don't hear. There you are. Now you're back. Yeah. Did you hear me? Sorry did you hear that. me ranting on about that's? A, uh, no, know. but I, I wish I wish I had. I missed. Uh, I missed your well, rant. Let me. I'll, I'll, well, my my rant was talking about the Bruce Lipton's lecture in in somewhere around 2008 after he'd written the Biology of Belief, and he's a stem cell biologist who taught at universities. And he was really looking at the idea of our cells, what I call our cells are listening. And that's everything that you're talking about is in a bigger picture, our cells are always paying attention. So if we're threatened constantly or if we think badly thinking or as a chiropractic friend of mine used to say, if we have stinking thinking, our bodies are paying attention to all that stuff we think. So that leads to exactly what you were talking about of the experience of the child who came up to you and going, oh, my God. I can give that up. That's not what he said, but I mean, that's really what he was doing was giving up that attachment to, I have to be that way. Yeah. So true. And, uh, and, you know, at the core of what the hundred year lifestyle is really all about, it is about change. It's about developing a long-term compelling vision for your life, aligning your choices to that vision. I mean, there's so much of this quick fix, immediate gratification that we have that's based on limited thinking for so many people. It's based on survival, just getting by, just getting through the day, making us feel better in the moment by altering our chemistry or by some sense of immediate satisfaction that doesn't have any lasting value. And the reality of it is, is that if you set your compass and North Star with a long-term vision, and you just wake up every day and you go after it and clarify it and figure it out and you start to attract all the things, the people, the resources, the health care, the food, the literally everything into your life that will support that long-term compelling vision. And it does, it gets you through the ups and the downs. It gets you through the challenges. And, you know, I, we joke around now because we have on, on our pages, we have posted a lot of things on, about hundred year old people that have survived COVID. And, you know, and we, we tell people now, Hey, listen, congratulations. You just survived the pandemic and you're stronger than ever. So what are you going to do now that you're still here, knowing that the fact that you're probably going to live longer than you ever thought. And it's an exciting conversation. You know, the question that we, that's on, on the book and that has always been, it's on our website. If you knew you lived to 100, how would you change your life today? Well, welcome to your advance notice, everybody. 
<laughs> you use, I can't remember because I listened to a, a number of your shows and other interviews and read. You use a great term stronger community equals stronger immunity. Talk a bit about that. I think that's, a, that's another sleeper that people don't understand or don't oh, appreciate. Uh, I think that's really important, especially now with um, all the lockdowns and things like that that I, I think have been so destructive in so many ways. And uh, it is true that community equals immunity. There, there's been study, in fact, there's studies on the, on the government websites about social relationships that how they affect mental health, healthy behavior, physical health, mortality risk. And it is true, they found through research, that social isolation of otherwise healthy, well-functioning individuals eventually results in psychological and physical deterioration and can even result in death. And so we know there was a uh, a really interesting picture about uh, people in a nursing home that were outside lined up and they were protesting and they said, we would rather take the risk and be around family and friends than be isolated the way we are. And the social aspect of quality of life and relationships is really important. So, you know, community does equal immunity, no question about it. And, you know, I also love the expression, if you're going to talk about expressions, I love the expression that hugs kill bugs <laughs> because uh, we, we do know that, um, that people that are being hugged, physical touch, uh, that it does have an immune uh, benefit. Um, there's new research from Carnegie Mellon about that came about how, in fact, I'm looking it up right now. I think I have it right here. Uh, the researchers exposed the participants to common cold viruses and monitored them to assess the signs of infection, and they found that that both perceived social support and more frequent hugs reduced the risk of infection associated with experiencing, uh, you know, uh, uh, as related to their immune system. And so uh, it's, I think so many of the things that we have seen, especially in the last six, seven, eight months are really not real. They're not backed up by science. And, you know, I grew up, I, you know, not afraid of bugs. We should probably talk about this too, as it relates to immunity, Um, you know, bugs, bacteria, all of these things, there, there are different theories that about people get sick and infections. And, you know, a long time ago, there were two people on the planet, Adam and Eve, right? And now there are 7.8 billion people on the planet. And way back when, there were uh, trillions of viruses and bacteria. And today there are 7.8 billion times the number of trillions of bacteria and viruses. I promise you, if bacteria and viruses were going to were the were the problem, we all would have been wiped out a long time ago. Uh, and so what we have learned and what we do know is that bacteria are everywhere. They are in us and on us. Uh, we all have trillions of bacteria in us and on us, and we need to live in harmony with those germs. And our body actually, uh, and if you think about it, going back to you know history and taking care of lots of patients, thousands of patients over the years, uh, what we have seen, and I remember there was a fad in medicine. You see these fads that come through in medicine, and with your history of being in the holistic health world, you've seen them too, um, where any time a kid would get an infection of any kind, no matter what color the boogers were coming out of his nose, green, uh, yellow, or clear, the doctor would always prescribe an antibiotic. Mm. Well, the antibiotics were so overprescribed that they destroyed the flora or the intestinal flora, the good bacteria in the gut, 
that was necessary for digestion, that was necessary for elimination, was necessary for metabolism. And because of that, so many people got sick and developed all kinds of autoimmune challenges and immune uh, uh, deficient issues that were related to not the bugs out in the environment or the bacteria, but that were related to the imbalance within their own body. And there was the birth of, as a result of the overprescription of antibiotics, there was the birth of a new, an entirely new type of supplement, so to speak, that were probiotics that were made to offset that you would take them on a daily basis to replenish your body with good bacteria that were wiped out by the antibiotic. And so we have learned about the importance of bacteria, that they are not, we should not be afraid of the germs that our body needs to balance, the right balance of germs. And, you know, if you ever look at those little capsules of probiotics and you read the, the label, you could get literally in a little tiny capsule that you can hold in your, the, in your fingers, between your fingers, and you have to be careful because if you drop it, you will hardly be able to find it on the floor. They're so small. And they, and they have they have literally a hundred billion bacteria in those little capsules, and they tell you to take it once or twice a day. And so we have to shift our thinking about all of these things so that we can eliminate the fear that is based on the false science that is causing people to make so many very unhealthy decisions for themselves and their family. Well, now how about the idea of rather than taking a capsule of something? How about the idea of eating fermented foods, you know, and I mean, unpasteurized things like sauerkraut or kimchi, or there's one that really throws people off. It's called natto, and it's a fermented form of soybean. And if you ferment organic soybeans, not the GMO soybeans, but organic soybeans, it has an amazing amount of great micronutrients in it, and it's an anti-inflammatory. How about we... We talk about eating our nutrition. Food is fuel. Food is nutritive versus just a Big Mac smashed into our face. Absolutely. Well said. Food, food is fuel. We have a, an acronym for uh, fitness in the 100-year lifestyle. It's, uh, if you want to be fit for a lifetime, it's the N in fitness, N squared, ESS. It's neurology, nutrition, endurance, strength, instruction. And neurology is function. And nutrition, the exact same word that you use, is fuel. And why? And and if people had more of that, like I imagine your kids have eaten well all their lives because you have that as a foundational way of thinking that food is fuel. So if you eat bad fuel, you wouldn't. You know, I I know guys. I'll blame it on guys. It's mostly true. That'll go out and buy an expensive <laughs> car and they'll put in high octane whatever in it, and because it needs. You know, that car needs to be and it's polished and shiny and it, and it's a beautiful machine. It just Come on, it's a car. Um, but they put in high octane, and they're really careful about that. And, but they'll use it to drive through yeah. and get a Big Mac, or even, in my mind, almost worse, the dreaded Impossible Burger. Um, and I throw that in because it's something I, I interviewed Zen Honeycutt, the founder of Moms Across America. And congratulations on being the first dad champion, by the way. Now um, you're up to speed on uh, current events, huh? <laughs> I am. I think that's very cool. And so... Cool. You, know, you see, you see these people who are very careful about their machines, like a car, but yet they don't seem to get the idea of putting good fuel into their own systems, and that always makes my yeah. mind kind of go, "What?" And it is true, 
for for a lot of people for now. And when I say for now, ultimately does cause people to change, which we want to change what causes people to change. But what ultimately will cause people to want to make some changes is some form of crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I think that's what the hundred year lifestyle, when I say it's about change, that so many people are living from crisis to crisis to crisis, covering up the symptoms rather than working with their body to optimize their function through every phase of life and doing it, you know, through pregnancy, raising children, raising families and through every phase of life. And the challenge that we have in doing that, living from crisis to crisis is number one, the level of suffering is unnecessary. Number two, it's extremely expensive. You know, people say that, you know, healthcare is so expensive. Healthcare is not expensive. Sick care is expensive. Healthcare is, is almost completely, you know, you can get 50 years of chiropractic care from a lifestyle care wellness basis and spend, you know, what, one one hundredth of what you would spend to try to get your health back if you had a crisis and you live, you know, a much better quality of life. And so people do, they live from crisis to crisis to crisis. And people say, I don't know if I could afford to do all these healthy things. And there's really only one thing you cannot <laughs> afford in this country and you cannot afford to get sick. That's what you cannot afford to do. And so, you know, instead of waiting for a crisis, we call it, we have a, a lifestyle care continuum. We call, you know, we try to take people from crisis care through this critical transition to lifestyle care. And, you know, what, what we, what we say in this analogy, and I think it's valuable is that crisis care is based on need. You need it because you're suffering. Lifestyle care is based on want, how you want to live and going from need to want is a big shift for people. I think, because it changes them. There are some people maybe listen say they have a hard time making that shift and saying what they want and whether they think they're worthy or not worthy, whatever the reason is for that individual person. But when you make that shift and you, you open up a whole new world of possibility and you attract a whole new set of relationships and, uh, and resources that, you know, maybe like this one today, that, that, will support you because a lot of times you're afraid to make the shift. People are afraid to make that kind of a shift because they don't have all the answers. But when you make the commitment to that shift and that commitment to change, the answers start to reveal themselves. I call it the magnet principle. It's life-changing principle. Number one, that in the hundred year lifestyle where change is easy, thinking about change is hard. That when you make that shift, instead of the magnets, how they repel each other, when you have light poles facing each other, you flip the magnets and now they attract. So now it, instead of requiring energy to hold things together, it requires energy to pull you apart pull, because you become stronger and you are healthier. And it's easier to say yes to things. It's easier to say no to things. And you don't get manipulated by marketers and all these other things in the world that would like to take you down this path of unhealthiness. And you look at a drug ad now, instead of saying, wow, that would make me feel better. You see the side effects will cause death, will cause death, will cause death. And you say, you know what? That's not what I want. I was like the ads on TV where you have the attorney or the, the fastest talking person in the world who rattles off all the threats that will happen could might occur from you know, loose, gassy stools to whatever, and they say it so incredibly fast. 
the disclaimer of, you know, the happy purple pill, I'll just pick on that one because it's an easy visual ad where they talk about, oh, it may cause this or that or the other thing or, you know, with all these warnings. I'm not looking to go out of my way to consume things that include warnings. It's like I don't smoke. Yeah. I never chose to smoke. I don't smoke, never smoke, not interested, hate it. So, but I made that choice because, well, A, I hated it. I grew up in a house where people smoked and I hated the smell. So there was that right away. I had the counterbalance of like, I'm never doing that. That's horrible. But then you go on to find out about it. And it's like, what? People are still doing that? That actually is one of those where it's just like, wow, people still do that? Right on the package it says it could kill you and you're doing that? Wow. Yeah. Um, Well, addiction addiction is, uh, you know, and I think that's what, why there's urgency in this conversation is because uh, there is an attempt and a drive by pharma, I believe, to create, because the public is becoming more aware, is to create as many addicts as possible for in as quickly as time as possible to create lifetime customers through addiction. That is uh, because once you're addicted, it is, it is, it, it changes your life forever. I used to tell our, my kids, not one time, not one time should you ever do this. Not one time. And because then you have to fight like hell to get your brain back and to get your life back and you're worth the fight. Uh, but it, but it is true about the side effects, what you're saying. I think hopefully people are getting wise to them, but you know, you have to realize it. it's a, it's a very good day for you when you realize, you know what, I've been brainwashed. And I need to unbrainwash myself and learn how to think so that I can choose from a sense of consciousness. And, you know, we have a call that we're doing with Moms Across America tomorrow night. It's our first call. You brought up Zen and Moms Across America. Mm-hmm. And we, we want to teach people how to raise healthier families without shots, without drugs, and without pediatricians. Wow. And how to do it in such a way where you are trusting your body, where you're not being bullied by uh, um, vaccinations and things like that, where you learn to speak out and you learn to make choices and you learn to do your homework. And, you know, I'm not saying you would ever go to the pediatrician, but you know what, listen, if you have a tape measure and you have a, a scale and you have common sense uh, and you have other resources, like a lot of people utilizing chiropractors and going to, going to a pediatrician just in cases of emergencies and maybe to get secure about different things, but doing your homework and having resources like how to raise a healthy child in spite of your doctor, pediatrician, Dr. Mendelson, that book is still available. Then, you know, you can raise your children in a much healthier the way that myself and many of my colleagues and friends around the country and around the world have raised their children without putting them at risk. And so it's tomorrow night. Uh, I think it's eight o'clock Eastern time, five o'clock Pacific time. You could probably register for the call by going to momsacrossamerica.com and signing up for their newsletter. You'll get the link to this call, but we're going to talk about these things. And and it's going to be the third Monday of every month at the same time. And we're going to bring in different people that have done it the way that we're going to talk about doing it. So you don't feel like you're alone. And I just think it's a really important time that we wake up and know that there are these resources out there if you're willing to open up and see them. Well, and to, to step to the other end, I, I love all of that. And at the other end of it, I'm in my late sixties and I do occasionally see a doctor because she's a, I, I, once again, I'll use this term because I used it at the beginning. She's a hippie doctor, you know, much more of a functional medicine practitioner. And occasionally I like to just to see blood work for information and then we can talk about it. 
And when I first started going there, and I, I have so many friends around me, I'm on zero medications, and I'm in my late 60s. Now, every other per- there seems to be a checklist. I don't know if they're, they're taught this. Well, they probably are because I've done previous shows with Gwen Olson, who was a pharmaceutical rep for, rep for fun 15 years. And then one day she I woke know up and went, okay, then we're right. We're both fans of Gwen. And yeah, she went, what am I I've doing? My God, too. what was yeah. I thinking? And then she had to leave the country after writing her book. Um, and so I have so many people around me that I know that think they're living well because their doctor has them on, you know, they seem to walk in at a particular age. There seems like there's a check sheet of, they see how old you are and they're like, are you taking this? Are you taking that? Are you, and they're confused that you're not like everybody's yeah. supposed to be on statins. Everybody might have to be on a diuretic. Everybody might have to be on some kind of, I don't know, some other weird thing. And I'm on none of that. And I know a lot of people who think that because they go to their doctor and because they take those drugs and because they play tennis three days a week, they're all set. So I love yeah, that well, you're, you're setting up children now to have the idea in their brain of, no, I'm going to be physically healthy because we eat well and we enjoy life. Go ahead. Yeah, it's so true. And, uh, you know, we, I'm looking at a, a study now that this is a crazy number that Americans filled a record 5.8 billion prescriptions in 2018. That's wow. 17.6 prescriptions per person. Now, wow. congratulations to you, right? You don't take any. I don't take any. My wife hasn't taken any. My kids haven't taken any. Uh, and so that means that our 17.6 prescriptions per person per year now means that everybody else is taking 19.6 prescriptions <laughs> yeah. per person yeah. per year. I'm just making up the number, obviously. Uh, but the, but you're, you're right about that. And, and, it's, uh, and I'm so excited that you're living that way because we need to get the world to have confidence in that kind of life. I had a, I had a um, 30 some odd years ago, 32 years ago, I had a medical doctor come to my office to do my exam for my life insurance policy. We were having our first child. My wife says, get a life insurance policy. I said, okay. So this guy comes in and I, I, I'm not a a regular visitor to a medical doctor. I just don't, I don't have a medical history. I don't take any medication. I keep myself well adjusted. I get checked on a regular basis. I eat healthy foods. And, you know, they say, but Dr. Plasky, you have heart disease runs in your family. Your dad had a heart attack at 49. Well, no, that's not genetic. That's because he smoked all the time and he was overweight and he had a lot of stress. It had nothing to do with his genetics. And so I just don't buy into that. And there's not truth to that. And I think that's another thing that we could spend a whole nother show on genetics versus lifestyle. But here's my point as it relates to this story. At the time when he, he did this testing on me, um, I he was a medical doctor, probably 15 years older than I was. He was in his mid to you know late 30s, early 40s. And so... Uh, he did this test and he was very snobbish to me, Richard. He was looking down on me like, here I am. It's, you know, this is 1988. And he's like, you Whoa. little pip, you know, punk ass yeah. chiropractor, you know, and I'm this big shot medical guy. Right. Wow. So, and he, he really, it was really bad attitude. So here's a funny story. You ready? 30 years later, just about a year and a half ago, I'm getting a new life insurance policy. And guess who comes to do the exam? <laughs> wow. Same guy. Same guy, Dr. Bob, right? 30 years later. And I was like, whoa, Bob, you're still doing this. 
And so now Dr. Bob is about uh, 40, 50 pounds overweight. He's in his early 70s. He does not look healthy at all. Nice guy, much nicer the second time than he was the first time. So he checks my blood pressure and, you know, it's 108 over 60, uh, 66, something like that. My pulse is 56 and I pee in a cup and I, he takes my blood and he goes through the history, Richard. And it was, it was really funny how it played out. He says, um, so Dr. Plasco, so are you on any medication? Uh, no. <laughs> um, are you, uh, you know, any hospitalizations? No. Um, any, are you on antidepressants? No. Blood pressure? No. Cholesterol drugs? No. And he goes down this list and he reviews it multiple times. So then he was doing it like within the last five years. Then he stretches it out to 10 years. Then he stretches it out to 20 years. Finally, he got so frustrated. He literally, he took, and, and he remembered me the way that I remembered him. He took <laughs> his clipboard. He slammed it on the table, on my desk, in my office. And he said, you know what, Dr. Plasker, I got to be honest with you. When I first met you, I thought you were an effing lunatic. And he cursed <laughs> loud. Yeah. And he said, I thought you were an effing lunatic. He said, but do you know how many people that I see today that are your age, that are on zero medication, zero hospitalizations, and he goes down this whole list? I said, I don't know how many, 50%? He said, zero. <laughs> zero. And I was like, and you know, something's wrong. But then I asked him, I said, so Bob, I said, why, why don't you recommend that these people not take drugs as the first thing? Why don't you recommend these things that you and I are talking about now, all of a sudden that we're having this conversation? He said, Eric, you don't understand. These drugs are being advertised on television. Patients come to see me. They ask for these drugs. They ask for these surgical procedures. And if I don't give it to them, they leave and go somewhere else to another doctor. He said, I can't be a doctor anymore. And I think what I just said is the essence of the problem. So the public is being brainwashed. We talked about this in the, in the middle of this call, is that we have to unbrainwash ourselves. We have to be, wake up to new realities and new possibilities. Because if you go in and you're your own doctor and you're buying what pharma is telling you to buy, it's, it's no wonder we have the sickest country in the world and a, and a country filled with drug addicts. And it's time we need, to, we need to take a stand. We need to take a stand. We need to make sure that we're speaking out. We need to look for these alternatives. I can tell you, my profession, chiropractors are booming, our 100-year lifestyle network of chiropractors. And, you know, they all do different styles and things like that, but they do share this common vision to help you become healthier, as healthy as you could possibly be, functioning at your highest level for a lifetime, going from crisis care to lifestyle care so that you could live your best life, be a burden to your family. And so, uh, so, you know, people like you that are examples of this life, living healthier and drug-free in your late 60s, I think is what you said. I mean, you, you're an example, I think, of what, what is possible if people would just open up. So I'm so excited that we got to meet and share this conversation. Well, and I already can see we're going to have another show because we've run out of time. <laughs> and and <laughs> you're right. We could just do a whole show about genetics versus lifestyle, but we're not going to start now because that would be that will be a whole other hour. Um, there you go. But it's it's I knew it was going to be a great conversation. I knew when moms connected us that it was good and I'm really glad we got to talk because it's so it's so true. We don't have to you know, I'm living proof. You don't have to be. I might not be perfect. I might not be as 
thin as I could be or a number of things, but I'm still on no medications. My cholesterol's good. My attitude can be really bad, but I think that's good. (laughs) (laughs) So there's that. Um, So how do people find more information out about you? And would you remind us about that newsletter? There was something you said that if they emailed, they get on a list for a free ebook, or that may be just by subscribing to your site. I can't remember which. Yeah, so what you do is the easiest way, go to 100yearlifestyle.com, the number 100yearlifestyle.com. That's like the entry point for everything that we're doing. Um, and if you, uh, if you click around on some of the articles or if you stay there for any length of time, you'll see a pop-up, and it'll give you the opportunity to receive this ebook on neuroplasticity. It's a transcript of this podcast that I did on neuroplasticity. Uh, it's really good. Uh, and then you'll also, two things you'll get, you'll get that, and you'll get our uh, copy of the 100 Year Lifestyle Second Edition in an ebook format also to get on this life-changing path. So, uh, and then we'll, we'll stay in touch via email and let you know about this least vulnerable person video when it comes available so that you can plug into that. So that's really the best place. You can get to our podcast from there. You can get to our YouTube channel from there. So go to the number 100, 100yearlifestyle.com. And we'd love to be a part of your life, your journey, your family's life, uh, because listen, your 100 is coming. You make the call. And uh, if you knew you lived to 100, how would you change your life? Now is the time. Don't wait for a crisis. Yes. I'm trying to think of the comedian that talked about. Uh, was it George Burns that said if I if I'd known I was yeah, going to live to be? Exactly he was the one. Okay. <laughs> I would have taken better care of myself. With that, everybody have a great rest of the weekend. And thank you so much, Doctor Plasker. That was great. We'll talk again. My pleasure. Soon. Thank you. Looking forward. Bye bye, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks.